Hi guys. Hi. I'm Ruben. And I'm Lucas. And you're listening to The, the Face Downs, a podcast dedicated to everything TCG related mm. in the world of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Your one-stop shop, if anything, should be us. And just like the Forbidden Memories card shop, we don't sell cards. Mm. We do, actually. Um, how are you? Good. Yeah, great. Week one, yep. done. Um, hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all in this together. Quarantine. Quarantina. Not- <laughs> Quarantina St. James. Not playing Forbidden Memories. Well, we could, we could get, it's going to take more than a week to finish that game. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a good game though. Yeah. Okay. What are, your, what are your top five tips for Forbidden Memories for people stuck in quarantine? Um, play it. Um, what well, we're, we're doing it the right way. I think we're grinding just the lower yeah, meadow you grind, mage. Yeah, grind Villager 3. To duel, get all the goodies. Duel him like 40 to 50 times. Yeah. You build up some star chips. You can use those to buy dragons level. Dragons and thunders. Dragons and thunders. And you grind meadow mage. Until you get you. Yeah. 0.89% chance of getting a Meteor Black Dragon. So on average, you have to do about 100 S rank duels. And then you can maybe win the game if you're maybe lucky. Maybe win the game yeah. if no one else, if your RNG is good. Yeah. But you know what? That's okay. I know. And it's all that matters right now. It's so much fun. There's I... no competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! So we're just back to... <laughs> back to freaking forbidden <sighs> memories. Yeah. Speaking of memories... Uh-huh. We have a very interesting section today. Um, well, because there's no news. There's, there's not really any no. news. I mean, I'm sad. I had a couple of boxes of Secret Slayers pre-ordered mm. and then received an email today saying that they're not in New Zealand yet. Yeah, so. Konami will be personally assassinating any distributor that even thinks about giving Secret Slayers to the EU. Which I think is... I don't understand, I guess. Well, I Konami guess it, is using its resources to send aid packages to Italy or something. Yeah, they, I mean, they're better. They've got coin. Um... So that's not going to be launching until I just got an email today yeah. saying the 30th. Is it true uh, that it's because the EU printers are in Italy? I believe so. Okay. Um, which is sad. You know, shout out to Italy. Hope you're doing well. Hmm. Um, so that was going to be... Yeah, they're not. They're not doing well, which is a shame. Um, so that was going to be like our fun little section for today. Hmm. Um, but instead, we have a really cool section. We had a, we had a question from a friend, um, one of Lucas's friends... And it was kind of, they were critiquing the podcast, and, <laughs> which is cool. They were very positive, but, yeah. they, but they didn't understand because we've been talking in this podcast, like people know a lot about Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. And I'm starting to realize that actually a lot of people that are into this stuff don't maybe keep up with yeah. all of the meta and what happened since Synchro Summoning. It's, it's been a bit of a blur. And to be honest, since we're new, we had to learn this stuff too. Yeah, we had to go back a wee bit. Uh, so we thought it might be fun to just... Uh, do a little bit of a segment, maybe we can clip it out uh, and do it in a video or something, but how to, you know, kind of understand Yu-Gi-Oh! in its current form, yeah. why this new Master Rule matters, and, and what's been going on. Uh, so we prepared, like, kind of a brief history it is of a... the Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG for any of our, our listeners that maybe want a refresher or... Yeah, a quick synopsis yeah. of Yu-Gi-Oh! throughout the ages. Because yeah. um, obviously we are recording April 2nd, so mm. this is day one of or day two for us but officially day one yeah. everywhere in the world to enjoy the new master rule revision it's also the annoying day where we've already done april fools here <sighs> and now we have to deal with april fools too exactly when the all sequel. these brands think they're being clever with putting when out they're not yeah you're not being funny this is not an april fools podcast this is not an april fools but we are actually reporting this is in live. fact the most professional podcast we've ever done <laughs> if our audio turns out well i know it should it, it absolutely will it yeah. sounds good already Okay, so we, yeah, we kind of created, like, a brief history of Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm. And how to understand it in 2020. Mm. Mm. 
So obviously everyone who understands the game knows that we are in a master rule revision, kind of unofficially MR5. Mm. So they've kind of, they took the master rule four of link summoning and using link arrows um, kept it for links and pendulums. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. We, what we're the hell is a master the rule? Okay. Uh, going back. Yeah. So it's a master, this master rule that kind of dictates where summoning goes. And so with the new one, they've just kind of gone back to how it used to be before links came around. But we can go way back to yeah. the beginning so, and then go forward. I believe in 1998, Forbidden Memories came out in the US, maybe 99. Yeah. Uh, I was probably not must have been later than that actually because i was about five or six i remember getting this game i remember going to uh, eb games at the time in westfield mall shout outs now a pit in the middle of central auckland but i remember going to that eb games and i saw this Yu-Gi-Oh game and i don't remember why i was into Yu-Gi-Oh. i probably saw it on television yeah i might have had some of the cards because i had relatives that played Yu-Gi-Oh with me mm-hmm. but by no means did i understand the game and boy, did this game not help. No. <laughs> Forbidden Memories help. is like my starting point for just kind of thinking about Yu-Gi-Oh um, as a wider thing. Because it wasn't a huge thing in my school. No. Was it a big thing? I guess you were probably a bit past it in the ni- like late 90s, early 2000s. Early 2000s. Yeah, exactly. Let's be real. I was at school in 2005. Yeah, so, so 2005 people had what? Duel Masters? Well, 2005 was kind of... Like, I started playing... Like, it was just... Essentially, just there was no real master rule. Mm. Like you just, it was just play cards. Because when you got into it, it was properly. Well, the thing is, when I first played Yu-Gi-Oh, there were no you know, fusion summon. Yeah. But there were no extra deck summoning mechanics, so we were truly MR zero. Yeah. And beyond that, the the concept of a competitive card game didn't seem like a real thing. No, and I mean, you can even see that that wasn't really the case with deck lists in the past like if you go back to these kind of 2006 2005 formats uh, the nickname is just chaos like it's, it's just kind of chaos and goat format so kind of original cards mm. well the, a the lot original of, a deck lot of was summon skull beat down yeah like lob you just drew cards you there was a couple things that would maybe utility things out like yeah there were card pops or things like delinquent duo but like Monster you know back reborn. then yeah it wasn't so much about how many cards you had in your hand it was just who could draw the best cards the best cards which is similar to forbidden memories yeah and that you know you could just summon blue eyes and the opponent goes well i don't own a card stronger attack points yeah. than blue eyes so you win i guess yeah. so yeah when i was young there wasn't like a concept of this competitive card game and i think like any new card game there was like a long growing period in which people realized what the game was yeah. and its identity. Yeah. And I think if we're talking about like what we would what we would consider the first ever like kind of defining format. deck. Yeah. Or like, the defining deck of Yu-Gi-Oh before a lot of cards got banned is this chaos. It's this chaos format. Deck. Which um, is hilarious to look at. Like if you yeah. if you can Google search Yu-Gi-Oh 2006 chaos because it is yeah. banless.deck as we yeah. like to call it. And so the way Yu-Gi-Oh worked originally was you got a singular normal summon. Mm-hmm. So called normal because it's it's intended to be the main way you summon cards. Uh, you also were able to use an infinite number of spell cards on your first turn, and beyond that, you could activate them freely from your hand during your own turn. Mm-hmm. And then you had trap cards, which the idea of a trap card was during your opponent's turn, they would do an action and you would use respond to, to the respond. trap card. Yeah. And generally, that's how these chaos decks worked. I mean, there was a fusion deck, but no one used it because fusioning... There was a specific card called Metamorphosis yeah. that was like the Lovely. way people fusion summoned 
But outside of that, we really saw a lot of uh, focus on big monsters, uh, extremely powerful draw spells that yep. drew you into these big monsters. Um, and then around about the end of the Chaos format, there was also, um, if you look at the Yu-Gi-Oh field, you have the monster and spells, banished deck, fusion deck, and then the graveyard. Mm. Uh, and Chaos was also the introduction of the idea that Yu-Gi-Oh actually utilizes its graveyard almost as much as it does its field. Yeah. And that becomes a theme throughout competitive Yu-Gi-Oh. So compared to games like Magic the Gathering, which were much more um, resource-focused in terms of um, you kind of gather resources in the form of lands and on-field effects to overpower your opponent with tempo, mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh often became a, a battle of... Um, top deck, like a, just top deck Or just wars. who could get the most things into the graveyard so yeah. they could set up their big monsters. Um, and so that defined the early era of Yu-Gi-Oh until... Um, it was 2008. This was the... Exactly, yeah. So 2008 was kind of the MR1, mm. like Master Rule 1. So and with this game... Well, what is a Master Rule? Explain so what a Master a Rule master is. A Master Rule is kind of like a, the, I'd say like a governing rule of how and where to summon and kind of things that dictate how players play the game. Yeah, I, I, I kind of associate Master Rules with a new summoning type. That's what I would think a Master Rule is because we haven't had a Master Rule Without a fusion, a uh, new summoning type. Yes, yeah, but we have, we made like a quick list, and you, there's a lot more to just a mm. just the summoning mechanic, which is cool. It, it, it means interestingly that it... coincides always with the release of the new anime. Always. So Yu-Gi-Oh always. has always been, as, I mean, even back to those playground days, super tied into the anime. Yes. Um, cards debut in the anime and then are brought into the game. Yeah. Obviously, the creator of the original manga designed the original Yu-Gi-Oh cards and is famous. Um, for putting his name on every single one of them up until yeah. recently. Woof. So yeah, a new anime would come out and the, the excitement, I, I guess, building around this competitive scene was that this new anime came out 5Ds and with it came a new summoning mechanic that you learnt about through the anime. Um, which became a bit of a theme throughout the Yu-Gi-Oh! Yes. development in which these new animes would come out, they would bring out a new summoning mechanic and with that, they would also take that opportunity to change... Um, some minor things about how the game worked. Yeah, yeah. So if we... We'll go down. So we... And we'll, just before we go to Master of One, yeah. uh, MR, like the Chaos format, was the introduction of the ban list. Yeah, so that's a that, very important note. That is when it started. Um, and Because Yu-Gi-Oh opted not to do a rotating format. Yes. When yeah. they brought out MR1, they said all of your cards from the previous Master Rule will still be playable. Yeah. Um which was a thing, a running theme, because Magic pretty early on established the rotating sets. Yeah, a set rotation of for their tournament like three series. or four every year. I mean, that was fairly decent into their life cycle, but I'm pretty sure around the time Yu-Gi-Oh! became popular, I mean, 2008, Magic the Gathering was soaring, phenomenally huge compared to what Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, did become and, yeah. and kind of waned from. Yeah. So yeah, the ban list is a way that Konami, who creates the card game, creates. balances their own game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put balance in quotation marks. It depends on the format. It depends on the format. But... but Chaos gave us a card. I think the iconic card from Chaos would be Chaos Emperor Dragon Envoy of the End and Yadagarasu, two yeah. cards that are still technically banned. Chaos Dragon has come off, but his effect was changed. Yeah. Um, for those of you who know anything about card games, card advantage, tempo. Uh, card advantage refers to how many cards you have in hand. It's probably the most important thing in any card game. And Chaos Emperor Dragon's effect was... To destroy every card on your opponent's field and hand. And then they lose life points for every card they lose. Mm. And then Yadagarasu, if it attacked directly... They skipped, skipped their draw your phase. opponent's draw phase. So they just lost. 
Yeah. So essentially, that's why the banners exist, is because Konami got greedy with effects and realized, yeah, no, we messed up. Yeah. Uh, and with the ban list and kind of leading into this Master Rule Synchro format, which is the new summoning mechanic post uh, MR0, a lot of cards have been hit. Oh, yeah. Uh, in between these things. Cards oh, yeah. like Pot of Greed, cards like Graceful Charity... Basically, every card that just said draw for it, free... It nets advantage. Like, was nets banned. card advantage and encourages yeah. deck thinning. Um, uh, and with that, cards like Change of Heart, which would just transfer control of a card. Yeah. It, it emerged that Yu-Gi-Oh! became a format of card advantage more than any other card game. Uh, considering that cards like that exist in other card games and are completely legal, in fact, mm. can be terrible in things like Magic the Gathering. In Magic the Gathering, I know. Because they have too high of a cost. Yeah. And the thing about Yu-Gi-Oh! that's very unique is that nothing has an inherent cost. There are costs involved in certain effects. Yep. Um, Activation costs. As, as cost. you discover throughout the history of Yu-Gi-Oh, um, the actual defining feature of Yu-Gi-Oh is how many times you can use an effect per turn, which is not a common thing in other card games. Not a common thing, because obviously it's just kind of like a blank at once. Is that correct? Or? In Magic the Gathering, you tap to use an effect, but cards that don't say tap, you can use infinitely. Okay. Which is why, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but why infinite combos are quite common in formats like Magic Gathering's Commander. Yeah. Because there's a different ban list, and the decks, because you have so many life points in that format, revolve around infinite combos to actually win, because otherwise it would just go on for hours, like mm. Risk or Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to play no games. No one does. Um, um, so, yeah, so we are 2008. We had yeah. Synchros. This is when I started playing. Yeah, so what's so, a Synchro Summon? So a Synchro Summon was using this new type of monster called Tuna. Yeah. Um, that would, you would use a tuner and a monster, just a regular monster, something yeah. that wasn't a tuner, to bring out these white bordered cards from the extra deck, mm. uh, which were known as synchro monsters. And they had specific summoning requirements, kind yeah. of as like how would you think your fusion monsters had two materials or two mm. plus materials. Quite often in the early days, your synchros were one tuner plus one or more non-tuners and they yeah. had to equal the level. Yeah. So, so Yu-Gi-Oh cards have levels. Um, level four and below, you could summon f like a, yeah, as a normal free. summon. Five and six is one tribute, which means you have to sacrifice a monster. Yeah. to bring it out, and then seven and yeah. above is two tributes, so two monsters to. Which mattered in old school. In old school, oh, Yu-Gi-Oh, totally. you would tribute summon, and around about the time of synchro summoning, levels became very different. Yeah, there were more and more monsters that could cheat the tributing mechanic and bring themselves out as high level monsters. Mm. And this is where we start to see Yu-Gi-Oh! become introduced to the concept of levels as their primary summoning mechanic. The maths yes. of levels is really important uh, throughout the history of Yu-Gi-Oh! for a number of reasons. In fact, every summoning mechanic, except for the most recent one, directly references levels. levels. Or just numbers and working mm. on scales, like, etc. Uh, um, so... Synchro also, summoning was the new hotness. Yeah, synchro summoning was hot. I was playing it, and... Uh, you know, you, I would say, iconic cards from the era were things like uh, Goyo Guardian. Mm, this which was, was a, kind of a change of heart. It was a change of heart. It was a level six synchro that had, I believe, the same attack as Stardust Dragon, which is a level eight yeah. synchro. Um, that its effect is if it destroyed an opponent's monster, it would you could gain control of it and mm. put it in defense position. So it was nuts. Yeah. Like, Goyo Guardian was so strong for the format at the time. Um, obviously, Stardust Dragon, which was the uh, anime protagonist's main monster. Mm. Um, and we kind of, for every Master Rule, listed an iconic deck. Mm. Um, and so for Synchros, we did Plant Synchro. So 
we, like Lucas said, the introduction of once per turn effects, mm. this was kind of the deck that abused it. Um, because you could... Well, not the deck, but... Oh, a deck. <laughs> yeah, there were lots in, of decks that abused those things. Like, in the deck of, like, in Synchro Era, that could abuse, mm. uh, like, the lack of once per turn effects. So where Chaos Format gave us a lot of spell cards that were considered too broken because they were free plus generators, you mm-hmm. gain cards from them too easily... Synchro format is where we start to see the same thing kind of start to happen with monsters. Where yeah. monsters that were bad or considered kind of average in the previous formats, now that you had this um, way to utilize weak monsters to make strong monsters, generically, mm. you, know, you didn't need the specific fusion materials, you didn't need the specific um, tribute monster in hand. These monsters were sitting in your extra deck, which was completely detached from the cards that you drew. Yeah. So if you could just get five weak level four monsters on field, but there was a tuner, you could suddenly make three incredibly powerful monsters that your opponent had to deal with. And so cards that didn't have restrictions on bringing themselves back from the graveyard, for example, mm-hmm. they could just keep doing it for, for a cost, life points, or um, to send a card from your hand to the graveyard, things like that, just yeah. became the cards. And, and we saw that with stuff like Plant Synchro, where you have Lone Fire Blossom as your key card, which was just basically... You know, summon it, tribute it, summon it, tribute it, bring it back, three of them, yeah. synchro. Um, dandelion, creating yeah. tokens, uh, which we'll talk about later. 30-minute combos. We're talking, like, yeah. just insane stuff. And just a really, like, consistent and easy way to create boards mm. with little to no investment of card advantage. Mm. So having to use less of your resources to put out a board that another deck would have to use a lot more resources to create. Mm. So this is kind of where card advantage really started to take place yeah. um, and became, like we said, like a defining feature of a good deck mm. was how quickly could you create a board presence yeah. for as little as possible. And actually, interestingly, to coincide with this idea of, of resources as mm. monsters, we also saw Konami take action on limiting um, the size of your deck. Yeah. So yeah. back in Chaos Format, you could have an infinite number of cards in your deck. And historically, there was one player that once brought a 2,000-card deck to a Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament. Yeah. And essentially, his win condition was to... Stall out. Stall out by um, activating cards that would require them to shuffle their own deck, mm. which would take around about 45 minutes. Um, so that got a pretty big hit from Konami. Once that happened, they realized they have to actually step down on this stuff, or else yeah. people can just... You know, there's photos of this dude carrying it around with two henchmen yeah. on their backs because it's the size of a... You know, a, a like long a, jump yeah. pole or whatever. Yeah. Ridiculous. And, so, and, and they also put a limitation on the extra deck. Yeah. So the is, iconic... the bigger deal, yeah. I think. So the yeah. iconic 15 cards. Yes. In the extra deck. Uh, high point of contention. And obviously as we go down the mm. summoning mechanic and through history, you will we'll see more and more why that became kind of... People yeah. were like, please extend it. Like, please increase it's the It's an size. interesting one because they picked an arbitrary number and it's, for the history of Yu-Gi-Oh, been a pretty decent number. Kind of reminds me a little bit of um, things like uh, PvP games, like yeah. MMOs and stuff like that. Having a lot like of the a, time... Like a set inventory? Or Pokemon, for example. Yep. A lot of people like to do kind of mid-level Pokemon battling. Because if you just go to high level, it just gets very grindy. It gets very, like, you know, drawn out. Mm-hmm. Everything just has a million hit points and attack points. Mm-hmm. So everyone picked a kind of arbitrary point to say, so that nothing is just too much to deal with, we'll just max you out at level 50. And Yu-Gi-Oh did the same thing. With the extra deck saying, like, you know, we could make it 30, but would it be more fun if you had 30 extra deck monsters? What would that really do? Yeah. Would it just make games last longer? And the answer is yes. 
Yeah. So, we're... yeah. And so, yeah, we created a deck limit of minimum 40, maximum 60, mm. and a extra deck limit of maximum 15. And that's a running thing throughout. That yeah. never changes. That's never changed. Um, so we had about three years of synchro, um, mm. obviously decks came and go, and then with the new anime, Yu-Gi-Oh! Zeal, Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel, however mm. you like to pronounce it, we got the, uh, XYZ, uh, or XZ's, uh, summoning mechanic. So mm. I was also playing during this time. I remember mm. when the format switched over. And what was the general consensus when it happened, when it got announced? Um, so when I started playing, you... When I started playing that kind of summoning mechanic, you had three XZ's monsters. You had yeah. Utopia, because mm-hmm. it was the protagonist's main card. Yeah. Grenosaurus, which was a rank three. So it's so a rank is different to a level. Mm. Um, and then Gachi Gachi Guntetsu, which was a rank two. Yeah. So you had a fourth, a rank four, a rank three, so and you a started rank with, there two. Was only a handful of these monsters. Really. And you relied on the mm. like bo- boxes to give you more... So how are they? These. How are they different from synchro summoning? What was fundamentally different about them? So obviously, with synchro, we had tuner and non-tuner, yeah. and, and you, you had, had to add their levels. Had together. to add the levels together. So with exceed summoning, uh, you would take two monsters or more, depending on the yeah. card, um, of the same level, mm. and you would do what's known as overlaying them. So you yeah. would take one monster, put it on top of the other, and then summon your exceed monster, which has a rank equal. To, the to those two monsters' levels. So, so two level two. fours makes a rank, rank four. four. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was a really interesting summoning mechanic. The main difference to me as someone who wasn't playing at the time and what mm. would have thrown me off was that there is absolutely no requirements for this summon. While synchros gave us tuners and tuners would kind of build your deck. Yep. So if you were playing a synchro deck, you had to run tuners. It was just a requirement. Yep. Any deck could run Xyz. Yes. Any deck that pumped out monsters of the same level could run XCs. So yep. all of a sudden, a lot of decks that weren't doing a lot viably, but like, could put a lot of cards on field, mm. like when Tuners came out, now had access to this slew of insane cards. And insane cards came. Oh yeah, um, they XCs, came. XCs definitely, I mean, there were some very, very busted synchros and they continued to make very busted synchros through this era. But Just XCs is where I really yeah. start to think that cards got uh, almost insanely out of hand. Mm. Because you started seeing them replicating broken cards from chaos format into in these exceeds monsters and the real reason that mattered was because it was so easy to access them in the same yeah. way you didn't have to draw your synchro monsters like you did with rituals and and you know polymerization fusions yeah. like that they were just there and yep. so if you wanted to dump a monster they printed a card called Levolve chain which is a rank four a rank for four. reference um and would you would detach a monster or detach a material because they became material while yeah. they were underneath an exceed. When they're monster. overlaid, the yeah, monsters when overlaid, used become material. Um, to send a monster from deck to grave. Yeah. So copying the effect of a card called Foolish Burial, which is currently at one. Um, and spoiler alert: Lavable Chain is at zero. It is mm. banned. Um, because it's such a good card. Too easy. Too easy. It was two rank fours for a free dump, mm. which is yeah, kind of a really interesting summoning mechanic and the way that it uh again warped a format mm. like. You, I mean, you had things like, I remember, like, you would do things like Acid Golem of Destruction, Creature Swap. Yeah. So you would have this rank three that was really strong, but couldn't attack if it didn't have materials. And and it destroyed all your own monsters. Well, no, it burned you. Okay. It burned you if you didn't, if you couldn't detach material. So Mm -hmm. you had to somehow get rid of it. Otherwise you would die. So people would just Creature Swap it. Um, And then, you know, throughout this format, like, you would continue on, you would continue on through... 
the years. Um, and so our kind of iconic deck for the Master Rule hmm. 2 of Xyz Summoning uh, was Dragon Rulers. Yeah, Dragon Rulers is interesting because they don't have an Xyz monster. And I think no. that really highlights what this format was, was largely about. Yeah. Was that unlike Synchros where you would run archetypal decks yeah. where these Synchros were a part of the deck, that was no longer the case. Never. And it just so happened that around the time the Dragon Rulers came out, which were in, in themselves pretty insanely good cards, uh, a lot of good rank 7 cards came yes. out. And Dragon Rulers were these big boss dragons that all had hand and graveyard Effect. recursion effects that could yeah. allow you to discard to do all kinds of crazy resurrection and destruction. Um, but the main reason as well they were so good is that they were all level 7s. Yeah. So and like, they were basically free summon. I mean, it, it was impossible yeah, not it to, kind to summon of, them. It kind of coined the term of like a, of a toolbox deck. Mm. So, I mean, you could say wind-ups were definitely a toolbox deck. That's you know, a kind of a... Mm. In arced up with that. But saying a deck is a kind of toolboxy, like in this case you would say a rank 7 toolbox, is that it was a deck that created enough or put out enough of the same level mm. to have a plethora of uh, rank seven Xyz in the extra deck mm. to then just use as, to use as monsters. So exactly. It, so it allowed, again, level sevens at before this kind of dragon ruler format were a wee bit tough to get out. Um, mm. most, most notably, obviously my one, I has big eye. That was probably the most iconic rank seven. This yeah. kind of rank seven Xyz that you could detach and steal a monster. Steal a monster. Which, ironically, Goyo Guardian again, yeah. this has always been a good effect. Yeah. So, with the release of Dragon Rulers, it now became one of the easiest ways to flood the board with mm. level 7s mm. and then create these large boss monsters from the extra deck for little to no cost. Exactly. And again, that theme carries over from the Synchro era, creating a really strong board mm. with no cost. And on the plus side, having access to cards like Super Rejuvenation, which mm. worked on all your dragons... Um, and you were not only able to create big boss monsters, mm. but also net a lot of card advantage. Yeah. There's also something else really important that happened in MR2, Master Rule 2, that I think um, also kind of helped define the Dragon Ruler deck. Mm -hmm. um, this is only partial. There was a card called Super Rejuvenation that for every dragon that was discarded during a turn or sent to grave, you could draw a card. And the way Dragon Rulers worked was they discarded themselves and another dragon to perform an effect mm -hmm. and then banished cards from the graveyard to summon themselves. So you resolved a lot of dragons to graveyard. And as a result, you would draw upwards of seven, eight cards of a super rejuvenation, which was not once per turn. So you could use multiple in a turn and draw 15, 20 cards. Um, Master Rule 2 is where we start to see um, a, a shift in Yu-Gi-Oh's play style. Mm -hmm. If you look at old chaos format, there's a lot of back and forth. Master Rule 2 is where we start to see the first decks that create unbreakable game states. Yeah. Uh, and what helped to solidify that was the hand trap. Oh yeah, absolutely. So there wasn't too many hand traps in the beginning of the what game. What is a hand trap? So a hand trap is kind of a, is a... Not kind of. It is a card that you can discard from your hand to perform an effect. Mm. And the key thing is during either player's turn. Well, depends. Some of them. Well, the, the idea was it was the idea your was opponent's was... turn. Hand traps would be discarded to interact with them. Interact. You may not even have cards on field. Yes. So if you think really early, uh, your f the first hand trap ever was Karibo. Yeah. Because that was discard to negate damage, prevent damage. Yeah. Um, and then you had a card like Didi Crow, which was to discard to banish a card from your opponent's yeah. grave, and that was like GX era. Um, 
So it's still MR0. Mm. Uh, and then we had Synchro, you, we saw uh, Effect Veiler, which is still played today. Very yeah. good card. So Effect Veiler, I think, is the really good one to focus really on Really good here. one, yeah. Because Effect Veiler's effect was during your opponent's main phase, there are different phases in Yu-Gi-Oh! The main phase is when you play most of your cards. Um, you, the opponent, that is not performing their turn currently, can discard Effect Veiler to negate the effects of one of your opponent's cards. Yes. So you could be doing your combo, going through things, all of a sudden your opponent drops an Effect Veiler on you. Crap. Yeah, that's I can't it. play, I'm, I'm I've stopped. lost my turn. I can't move. So, extending past that, um, obviously the iconic card Max C yeah, so had the effect. Yeah, so this was Storm of Ragnarok, yeah. I believe. Um, so this was a secret rare. And very interesting, we could do a whole episode about Max Yeah, let's not C. talk about Max C for too long. But <laughs> it was a card that you would discard, um, uh, and for every time your opponent's special summoned, the person who used Max C could draw a card. Yeah. So it was this... So you would almost kind of time it to when your opponent is about to special summon because mm. you're at least going to net neutral. So you will discard a card and draw a card. And draw a card. So therefore you've lost no yeah. card advantage. In a format like Dragon Rulers where you had a lot of special summoning, if you your opponent used yeah. a max C on you, um, it would then it would kind of put you at a pause. Well, it would create this little dilemma where if you continue to play and create your perfect board... Mm. Your opponent might have drawn through five or six cards through their deck. And as a result, found the outs to your board. Found or the found interruptions. Yeah. You know, you might be one draw away from, from drawing into an effect veiler, which would end your opponent's turn. So when you got max seed, and this was true for a lot of hand traps at the time, you would have to sit there and think, is it worth continuing my turn mm. or just ending it? Or do I just stop? And we weren't at a point in Yu-Gi-Oh! where just ending your turn would be lethal. Yes. Not yet. No, at this point in the game, up there, but... Dragon Rulers could definitely push out 8,000 damage quite easily, yeah. but most decks struggled with just raw killing an opponent. Just a raw one-turn kill. So it became this kind of dilemma where the format shifted towards comboing, comboing, using all these non-once-per-turn crazy Special effects summoning. and creating these crazy boards, but they could easily be outed by a single card, and that's yeah. when you saw um, rival decks like Spellbooks, which we won't go into, but the idea was they... The idea was... It, they was did a, not special summon. It was a hard counter yeah. to... Well, they didn't special judgment summon. They didn't rules. really use monster effects, and there weren't any hand traps that specifically prevented spell cards from, you know, searching and activating their effects. Yeah, they just didn't exist at the time. Um, and so it was interesting because I would say that these two decks, Rejuvenation Rulers, as they're known as, mm. and then uh, Judgment Spellbooks kind of created a more, like, one of the most iconic... I mean, you could say that Plant Synchro and Dark Synchro was a good... But it was a very, very yeah. split format. They yeah, did yeah. very different things. Yeah. And it was almost like one was designed to count the other perfectly. Yeah. Either and way. It, it kind of solidified what people mm. knew as a tier zero format, I would say. Yeah. So it was, you either play one of these two yeah. decks, or, or you lose. One. Or you lose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You either play Dragons... Or judgment spell books, or you lost. Mm. There was no kind of like maybe you can nick a win. It was these two decks or lose. Yeah, and that was this. We'll see again becomes a problem yeah, as a few the, times as the rest of as the history continues, mm. which it does as it does. So we now move forward to two thousand and fourteen. So now we've racked up what there's regular summoning, special summoning, which is. You know, summoning under condition, not using your normal summon. Yep. Tribute summoning, which is sacrificing a monster to summon something. We have fusion, fusion summoning, summoning. Using polymerization to create a fusion monster. Yep. Or later on, special cards. Yep. Uh, ritual summoning we haven't gone into, but it's fairly similar to special summoning. It's conditional yeah. or it's, fusion summoning. Yeah. 
And then we have, of course, Synchro and then Exceeds, which are both these um, resource-intensive kind of level-based summoning mechanics. Yeah. And then, and then all this... of a sudden, MR3, yeah, a new out. anime comes out and it features a new mechanic. Yeah. So this is Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc 5 was the... Mm, Arc V, I Arc believe. Arc V, yeah. Um, and then we introduced Pendulums. Mm. So Pendulums is something that I wasn't around for. I didn't play. Neither, yeah. You didn't play. Uh, I played a, in GX, so yeah. just Fusion. So I, there was kind of the Pendulum, the Pendulum mechanic was the deck I first started when I came back into the game this last year. Um, and so this is now a summoning mechanic based on uh, having two monsters that what? you... I think we got to start with what is a pendulum card. So a pendulum card, it was a monster and, and a spell, spell combined. combined. Yes. They're, and these cards were notable because you could see that they would have a kind of a blue arrow and a red arrow with mm. numbers underneath them. I remember when I first saw a pendulum card as someone who was out of the game for a while, I was just so lost. Yeah. Like I, I was looking at it something feels confusing to that discuss. did not resemble a Yu-Gi-Oh card. It had a whole new text box between the art and the effect mm -hmm. with these arrows on it. And then I found out what pendulum summoning was. And I was like, as someone who didn't play, I was angry. I was like, what is this? Yes. Because the Yu-Gi-Oh that I knew was largely resolved around like resource management, you know, fusion summoning, tribute summoning, etc. And the effect of pendulum monsters was they were monsters, but you could also put them in your pendulum, pendulum zones. zones, which were new zones added to the playmat. And if the numbers on the pendulum monsters created a range, so between two and eight, for example, so one of them said two on the left, one of them said eight on the right, you could special summon any number of monsters from your hand, or eventually, you know, it would become the face-up extra deck as well, which is where pendulum monsters go when they're destroyed. Just any number. Just, Just summon any number. five blue-eyes white dragon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in, in my it, head, this was like... They've broken Yu-Gi-Oh. It, it, was, it was... It was insane. I remember being... Like, watching YouTube at this time when I was younger. And when this format came out, there were a lot of people mad. Because, you know, at the time, Monster Reborn was banned. Mm. Like, a card that prevent... That was a, a single special summon. From the graveyard. From the graveyard. And here it was a mechanic that every time they went to the graveyard, they went to a place where they could just be summoned back using these pendulum scales. Again. And this is free. Yeah, this there was no free... activation requirement, no, no cost no. involved in performing a summon. You just had to make sure your scales were correct. Yeah. Um, Which and... was extremely easy. Yeah, and this became a huge problem for a lot of cards, and I would dare say probably Konami's biggest mistake in <laughs> summoning. Um, because we were just discussing before we started recording, yeah. is it seems like Pendulum is truly the format in where... Konami realized that they made some really good cards that could be abused by these decks that created now a rank four toolbox. Mm. Um, so if you think about how Xyz summoning changed the idea of just monsters on field are value. Yeah. Well, think about what pendulum summoning did to that. Mm. All of a sudden, you didn't need, you know, all of these archetypal ways to spam in the board. You just need to make your scales. And then all of a sudden, you could have four, five level four monsters on the field to go into these rank monsters. Yeah. And we see that. Um, with our iconic deck of the time, which was called Pepe. So, Performages and Pals. Yeah. So, this was... You could probably explain it better, but from my perspective, a deck that was revolving around doing two things really well. One, which was not drawing bad cards. No. You would draw into cards that draw you into more cards and more cards and more cards and more cards, and it just never stopped using 
uh, especially cards like Lavalable Chain, which we talked about earlier, which yeah. could just dump cards to grave and get their effects off of. Extremely consistent. Very consistent. And the idea of the deck was to end on a number of rank monsters, and especially one called Shockmaster, which was pretty quickly banned, but that was essentially kind of like a shutdown. Like, yeah. no one could play through that card. And this deck was just built around, like, pumping out these monsters and then ending on that card and going, get stuffed. Just just putting out level fours. Just because, get stuffed. Yeah, Shockmaster yeah. was a rank four that was three materials, so potentially mm. a bit more costly, but this deck, resource management was not a problem. Yeah, you it could was... plus 11, which plusing means getting... Yeah. Gaining you start with five, you end with yeah. 17 cards. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was it that was, bad. It was a very... It was a problem, and was emergency banned for a very <laughs> good reason. So uh, yeah, Konami actually very rarely does this. Yeah. Because they like to sell product, but this was, I believe, a week before a tournament. So it was bef- It was actually the weekend of... It was a YCS in Sydney. Exactly. They so got we... news on the plane no. as they got off. As they got off. Like, when their Wi-Fi turned back on, that all of their decks were banned. Mm. Because it was that bad. When we talk about the tier zero formats, yeah. no one going was not going to play this deck. At, at all. At all. Um, then if we kind of track to the end mm. of the format, I would say that it was kind of mid. Because, like, you... Well, they banned a lot of the Pendulum cards. They banned a lot of the cards. <laughs> for a very good reason. For a very good yeah. reason. And so post-Pendulums being, like, the primary deck, yeah. we do see a return... To the main deck monster, we mm. see, I think, a little bit of a pullback on releasing too many good pendulum archetypes. Mm. There were a couple. Yeah, and this also coincides with the anime. Spoiler alert, but they start traveling to these different summoning dimensions that True. kind yeah. of uh, fulfill previous summoning mechanics we've talked yeah. about before. So fusion summoning, synchro summoning, and then exceed summoning. Yeah. So they travel back and allowed everyone to kind of see these different mechanics, and they were like... Hey guys, we know mm. Pendulum's pretty good, but you know, what about if we brought retrains to these well, it makes other me see, decks? I, I see like the purpose of Pendulum Summoning was that it was going to be a mechanic that sat nicely with every other mechanic. Mm. It was a thing that you could, you know, maybe, you know, Elemental Heroes were popular. Maybe they get Pendulum Scales and it, it facilitates their fusion summoning. Yeah. Konami quickly realized this was not how people were going to play the cards. It was no. just so consistent to run a deck full of spells, which as we talked about earlier, have no cost. Involved. No cost. Um, than it was to run decks that use Pendulum Scales to summon. I mean, things like Lunar Lights, for example, um, had other summoning mechanics, but, you know, it became easier just to spam things. They yeah. didn't need the scales to summon. You know, Crystal Beasts got some scales, but people Useless. only played them because they were continuous spells that were searchable. Like, yeah. No one was using these scales as just, like, a tech option for their deck. They were just specifically picking and choosing the broken ones yeah, and making decks out of them. The most advantage with the least yeah. amount of... Uh, like yeah. uh, effort or like input um so as we traveled through the following the anime traveling through the different summoning mechanics uh we came upon a very iconic summoning mechanic um in fact the one we just talked about exceeds summoning mm. um and a deck again that would say you know cr- created a tier zero format mm. and this was zodiac yeah it so created a tier zero as a format and it also defined what i think to be the next master rule. Yes, yes. So Zodiac uh, debuted in a set called Raging Tempest, and it's an Xyz based archetype. So obviously you think, okay, so you're using two materials to exactly, make a monster. Yeah. That's what you think when you hear Xyz. Uh, Zodiac was very unique in the fact that it was a one card Xyz material. Xyz monster. The, all the Xyz monsters said you can just use a Zodiac a monster. A Zodiac monster is the full cost, and BAs had the same thing. 
Yeah. Um, things like Beatrice, Beatrice on Dante, but it wasn't quite as all-encompassing. No, because you still had to commit to Dante to then go exactly. into Beatrice. Zodiac, one normal summon, and this is not an exaggeration, could net you three Xyz monsters with materials. Yeah. Just from recurring and cycling through their effects. Yeah. Um, and this, I'd say, broke the format. Um, Many things did. Yeah. Uh, but this kind of took the idea of having to invest monsters as material into cards out the window mm. because this deck so easily plussed with a single card. Yeah. And it created almost like an engine of the deck. And even as further down the years as it got hit on the Forbidden Unlimited list, mm. it became taking... They took away from the actual pure build of Zodiac and started ticking in a Zodiac engine. Of with how, 15 hand traps. With 15 hand traps. Because the deck barely played its main deck. And no. this is a thing I think the next format, the next Master Rule really defined was the idea that your main deck doesn't matter. Yeah. Your main deck is just an engine to get to the extra deck. Yeah. Whereas things like Dragon Rulers, I think, like you primarily saw them using their effects as effects. Yeah. You know, they would use Blaster to pop cards, Redox to revive cards. No one gave a rat's ass about what Rap here did. No. Pun intended. No like, one. No, no like, one. it was good. It was oh, a good card. Oh, it dumps to grave. Hmm. Amazing effect, obviously. Yeah. But it didn't matter. You could summon any Zodiac and get to the full combo, essentially. So... Yeah, what we saw was this kind of emergence of, like, the main deck doesn't matter, you just tech in as many consistency cards as possible mm. to get to these extra deck monsters. And I think... I think Konami saw a little thing in this and also knew they needed to fix Pendulum Summoning. Yeah. They knew they needed to fix extra deck summoning yeah. in general. Because, it, I would say, near the end of the actual format itself, you just had decks that could spam mm. and quickly and consistently put out mm. a lot of mm. good extra deck monsters that they had created in the past. Or again, something like um, True Dracos, which came out, which was very similar to Judgment Spellbooks in that it just said no yeah. to all that stuff effectively. There's yeah. always been a deck in every format that just says no, I yeah. think. And that was the one for this format. So Absolutely. And True Dracos were the only viable decks of their format um, to the point in which they combined forces and created Zoo Draco at some point. I'm not which sure how that happened. Disgusting. But yes. But it was good. And that's the thing is that we saw that in the, uh, like in the format is mm. this was a very iconic pie chart or no, a, yeah. not a pie chart, but the, um, I believe it was just the top 32, like kind of a recording or yeah. like a, it was written, all Zodiac. It was all Zodiac. There was not a deck that topped that was yeah. not Zodiac of some kind. Of some kind. So I truly think even to this day, I would say that that is the most mm. tier zero deck that has ever existed. Yeah. No one's really come close. No. We can talk about what came close because it come it gained popularity in the next one. Yeah. So what we see now is a problem, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people have romanticized this kind of era, the Pendulum Master Rule 3 era, um, because of what came next. Because mm. in the ways that Synchronic Sea Summoning broke a lot of older cards and made them really, really good, that did happen with the next format, but a lot of decks just got axed. Annihilated. Annihilated. What Konami decided to do was add a new zone to the playmat. And again, as someone outside of this, I was like, what new zone? I don't understand how this works. Yeah. Um, essentially, they created the extra monster zone. Mm. And the idea was, you only have one extra monster zone, the EMZ for short. 
once you've summoned there, you can't exceed summon again. Yeah. So this is Master Rule 4 now. And it, it took away the ability of a lot of decks to hmm. spam a lot of cards exactly. from the extra deck. And so... I think most notably, yeah, of course, spamming from the extra deck, but Pendulum, pendulum Monsters summoning. Yeah. from the face-up extra deck, which is where they were primarily summoned, had to also be summoned to the EMZ. Hmm. And I think with that, you see the death throes of Pendulum as a problem. Yeah. It's still a really good mechanic. For a reason that we're about to mention, but you know, it, it stopped it being this incredibly stupid plusing engine and made it just a normal stupid plusing engine. Yeah. Um, because now Konami also decided that they would make a new monster type for the anime called Lynx. Yeah. So what is a Lynx? And so these Link monsters were notably a blue color, so mm-hmm. they stood out to every other card in your extra deck. Um, but what was the most significant part about them is that they would have arrows yes they were red arrows um there were eight uh it was a square around the uh monster itself and it would have arrows mm. pointing in a direction primarily down primarily down that was a good that was a that was a signal of a good extra monster that it pointed down yeah because what the link monsters allowed you to do is not only obviously you would summon the link monster mm. but if for example the bottom left and bottom right corner of the uh link monster were red arrows it meant that you could then summon extra deck monsters to those arrows. Mm. It linked the extra deck, the extra monster zone to two other zones. So for the first time in Yu-Gi-Oh's history, the game board stopped being a limitation and became more of a strategy. Mm. In that before you would have, okay, I only have five monster zones. I need to work with that. Yeah. Now you have to think, I only have two zones that are being pointed to. The EMZ sat above your monster zone. So essentially you would have, you know... Um, five monster zones and then the second and fourth zone above them were EMZs. Yeah. And say you had a monster with two downward pointing arrows, that's all you get. Also, both players could use either extra monster zone, but only a single one of them. So the idea was... Well, we'll talk about that. But the idea was... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking... There's so many mistakes, I can't even help it. (laughs) But, you know, we'll bear with it for now. So you would only get one EMZ. So you had to be really careful about how you summoned. And it actually killed most non-Link decks. Yes. I would say very few non-Link decks survived the format. Not to mention things like Zodiac had been banned to high hell. And Konami was very keen to push the new summoning mechanics. Mm-hmm. So we didn't see a lot of non-Link decks get pushed for a long time after this mechanic came out. And, and it was in, almost like a reset. Yeah. And instead what we saw Konami doing was giving legacy support mm. to some of these decks. Um... Uh, and the, so the main protagonist, the main protagonist, his monster, Firewall Dragon, was kind of the first reputable Link monster. I mean, Decode Talker, the thing is when Link format restarted, it was almost like a return to old school Yu-Gi-Oh! In that not a lot of these Link monsters had game-breaking effects. Decode Talker was probably the strongest first Link monster, because Firewall Dragon took a little bit of time. It was Code of the Duelist, so you had a strategy that came Yeah, and Decode Talker's effect was... If a card targets a card you control, you can tribute a monster it points to to negate it. Yeah. And, and it, it gains had, attack yeah. for every monster it points to. Points to. Yeah. Compared to what decks were doing before that, fairly tame. And yet Deco Talker saw play for years. Oh, because it was an amazing Link 3. And it was what we would call generic. I, yeah. I guess we never touched on this. Um, but every summoning mechanic, so Synchro, Xyz, mm. uh, and I won't say Pendulum, but Link's, 
um, had the idea of, so we would say like in synchro, a tuner and a non-tuner. Is generic. Is generic. And most synchros were generic. Yeah, in the beginning. Um, so it, there was no specific limitations on what kind of monster you had to use. Like, was it an earth monster? Was mm, it mm. a plant type monster? Were they two level four beast warriors yeah. to make a rank four Xyz? So the use and this again, so yes, as, it, as we continue through on the eras, but definitely in link a format, generic extra deck monsters became a very big staple well, they very supreme. quickly. Um, because it mm. meant that you could still have these really cool decks with maybe multi-attributes or multi-types, mm. but because your extra deck monsters were generic, you didn't have to work around yeah. particular, uh, like, limitations. I mean, we touched on that with the toolbox. Like, it yeah. didn't matter that the dragon rulers were dragons. It just mattered that they were level 7. Yes. And the same thing happens with links, but exaggerated. Links are predominantly generic beyond compare mm. they often just say two plus monsters yeah or two to three monsters and all you need to worry about is the monster's link rating mm -hmm. so if it's a link three you need to use three monsters yeah. or a, li a link two and a link one yeah you kind of do the math that way yeah um so yeah the in the new, beginning the new way of Yu-Gi-Oh was still board spam yep we see a lot of cards that generate tokens get banned immediately yes. some of which get banned a little bit later oh, and now the idea later. was I guess more generic than ever. It's just like, you don't even need levels on the field. Literally anything can become a link monster. And so we kind of transition from there into, I would probably say the worst Yu-Gi-Oh has ever been for combo. Yeah. Whereas other decks before this could extend very far beyond their reach using graveyard effects. The really unique thing about link monsters was that just bodies, just recurrent bodies on field mm. generated more advantage um and we see the first kind of degenerate thing come out which is called you linking yeah this was a this is a mistake yeah this, this was, was a genuine mistake this was a genuine mistake so this so like we said before we took the concept of the extra monster zone so yeah. you each had one yes what extra linking was or what it's, it may be easier visually to think of is the U link. Yeah. So you would start at a single extra monster zone with a downward pointing with monster. a downward pointing arrow. You would then take a left or right pointing arrow, mm -hmm. depending on where you started, uh, a sideways pointing arrow, mm -hmm. and then a left and or like a right or left and an upward yeah. pointing arrow. So essentially, if all the arrows of these link monsters were what we call co-linked, which means they point to they each point other, point to each other. Yeah. Um, if your first one and maybe your other four all pointed to each other and your last one that was underneath the unused extra monster zone pointed upwards, yep. you could summon there. And the really notable thing about that was that means the opponent could not summon there. Yes. And in fact, they could not summon to the extra, from the extra deck. Yeah. Um, that was a definite mistake. Well, where board strategy and advantage became part of Yu-Gi-Oh!, the idea of locking your opponent out of playing purely based on geometry mm. became a thing. And it was a huge, I mean, initially when links first started a huge strategy yeah. of early link decks that were generating advantage. I mean, I say early, this is kind of mid range. Um, yeah. We'll okay. do this stuff. And I think the key card in that, uh, if we're talking about like historic kind of iconic cards, is a card called firewall dragon, yeah. a card that had four omnidirectional arrows. So like left, right, up, down that, had the effect where up to the number of monsters co-linked to it, you could return cards on the field 
or graveyard to their owner's hands. Yeah. Which turned Firewall Dragon, you'd think, oh, that's, that's pretty powerful removal effect. And that was, that was once. That was once. That was the once per turn effect. Yes. It also had an effect that if a monster left its zone... Or a zone that, that Firewall pointed to. That it pointed to, to, you could summon a monster from hand, level four or lower, I think. Yes. And that was not once per turn. Uh, so remotely. you combine a monster that has perfect arrows for co-linking with an ability to recur maybe four cards from your graveyard back to your hand and then act as disruption on your opponent's turn, that could also then infinitely cycle through those cards in hand, summoning them to the field. You linking was extraordinarily easy. Yeah. And would end on boards, since Firewall Dragon would be co-linked, that could then bounce four cards from your opponent's field during their turn. Not to mention the fact that... Because um, you you linked, your opponent had no way to special summon from the extra deck. Yeah, and the, the link monsters you were summoning were not just vanillas. They no. weren't useless. A lot of them had crazily powerful effects. If you look at the nightmare monsters that coincided with this kind of common strategy that came out a bit later. Yeah, this was Flames of Destruction, so I think a good year after Code of the Duelist. Exactly, but a reason that Firewall Dragon was well overdue for a ban. Mm. The nightmare monsters, if they were co-linked, locked your opponent out of destroying your cards, targeting your cards, or using monster effects. Yeah. Uh, or battling over your cards. I mean, we're really talking about, like, you know, did you draw the out or not formats. Coincide that with a card like Topologic Gumblar Dragon, which, when it was U-linked, ripped two cards out of your opponent's hands. Probably the most broken format of Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. to ever exist. I mean, we're talking rip six cards out of your opponent's hands if it was done correctly. Yeah, and which is insane. Because... Ironically, a return to chaos format. Yeah, it was, I would say that was the most chaotic it's been in a very, very long time, because yes, these kind of decks in the past netted a lot of board advantage. Well, you know why what... chaos format's called chaos format, right? Yeah, because it's the chaos monsters. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't because it was chaotic. No, but it, it is. <laughs> I mean, it was chaotic. It was chaotic. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah. Um, but the, what link format did that maybe the previous formats couldn't do was create advantage and at the same time take away your opponent's advantage exactly and that is that was i think the breaking point because chaos emperor dragon which all the way back at mr0 would rip every card over your opponent's hand pretty devastating but it itself was not very good it didn't no. do a lot i mean it's a big boy three thousand attack yeah. but you know they draw into a bls you didn't get yada out it blah, didn't blah. the thing about this combo was that it would rip six and then you would sit on a powerful board essentially a board um, that if your opponent was not able to bring a single disruption exactly. you would win the next turn and almost as if there was like a middle point in master rule four we haven't really seen that return in the same way no we've no. seen things similar we've seen boards through all these different deck types that can put out equally devastating results we're definitely in a format right now of can you out my board yeah no game two can you out my board no game three yeah but we haven't seen a return to this and it's almost like i think after all this time everything's settled no new summoning mechanics coming in, coming and going there's a there is a change happening and i think it's healthy absolutely but i think the designers of this game have finally kind of caught up to themselves and realized you know a comfortable way to balance this game um so i think a lot of new mechanics lock you into their own archetype yep we aren't seeing cards like Firewall Dragon that don't have hard once-per-turn effects. We aren't seeing a lot of cards coming out like Firewall Dragon that are completely generic. Yep. Everything has a kind of give and take. And when you see cards like, um, you know, the most powerful deck of the last 
year was Orcus. Yep. And every single one of their main playmakers locked you into dark machines. I mean, fairly well, restrictive. Darks. Yeah. Darks. But, you know, essentially you had to run nothing but dark machines in your deck, which were strong typing, which is a part of why the deck was so good. Yep. But at the same time, you couldn't just splash Orcus into everything. No. And that's a key shift, I think, that has helped the game get a lot healthier and a lot more fun and competitive. Um... Because it makes the decks more thematic. We have less toolbox decks than ever. And mm. dueling things do, does feel very unique. You know, it's less so that we're just following these linear lines of play. Like if you were playing old decks, we're seeing people's personalities come yeah. through. Yeah. And I think also as well, they took away a lot of these uh, engines. Mm. So you would, like we said with Zodiac, how when it started to get hit, it became an engine. We, I would say the most notable engine that we've been around to deal with was the Sky Striker engine. Mm. Which was a, you know, could essentially be a four card engine yeah. that generated um, a like three a card six, advantage. Yeah, a plus three in card advantage. Yeah, so things like that get checked. Yeah. Pretty regularly. Which is really good. I mm. think it's really good because I don't think anybody wants to go back to that kind of format where it's, do I have disruption or do I have game when I'm, I start I'm going to be real. Team? I don't think we'd be playing... No. If that stuck around. If I went to f my first Yu-Gi-Oh! Locals and my first experience of dueling was having every card ripped out of my hand and being told by my opponent that I could not play, I would not have started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I would have packed up my cards and sold them. I would have just kept playing casually. Yeah. And I can see why a lot of people still have that mentality of I don't want to play meta yeah. because it's boring. Because it was boring. <laughs> yeah, it was boring. So I think as this kind of... As we continue through the Link era, we... Saw a lot of, well, I'm going to say indirect hits to Firewall Dragon because mm. it took a very long time for that card to get but they banned. they did hit it. They hit it, they banned it, which is good. Um, and then even as that progressed onwards, like a lot of these cards that needed a lot of advantage, things like uh, this Guard Dragon Agapane, which was yeah. a really generic to link to that just required two dragons. And that if two monsters, well, two link monsters pointed to the same, zo same zone, it would summon a dragon from extra deck. So yeah. it, it, they checked a lot of these cards that were low investment, high reward, mm, mm. Um, which I think is really important. And it kind of creates what we are in now uh, with the revision of yeah. everything going on. It just makes a lot more... You, you're rewarded with what you invest mm. as opposed to you invest little and get back a lot. Mm. So um, I, I might be a little bit... I mean, a lot of people have different takes on this. Mm. I think what Konami did was right back in Link era. When I've... they announced the Link format that would that would cull the extra monster summoning, I think it did, it had its growing pains, but it did eventually settle down. I think and so. And help everything work smoothly while they, they sorted out how to run this card game. Yeah. And I think with that being said, what they're doing now, if the game was healthier when they did this, I think it would have been the right call. I think they made the right call. But what they're doing now is... I think upon reflection, realized that links are the only viable extra deck summoning mechanic right yeah. now. I mean, there's a couple of decks that advantage off fusioning or yeah. exceeding, you know, but it's not the same. Everyone has to play links. And so they realized all we needed to check was Pendulum. Pendulum yep. was the problem. Pendulum was the A problem. lot of decks died for the sins of Pendulum. So as of two days ago, I think, which is why we're making this podcast. Yeah, well, yesterday for us. Yesterday for us. And today for a lot of people. They have now changed the rules for the fifth time. Yeah. Um, 
in unofficially called Master Rule 5, Master Rule 2020 revision, yep. there is no new summoning mechanic, which is, I think, why people are hesitant to call it a Master, Master Rule, Rule 5, because there may be a new one around the corner that will break everything. <laughs> but what they've done is the way Link Monsters used to work was the arrows were the only places you could summon, bar the EMZ. Yep. Now, if you are Synchro, Fusion, or Xyz summoning, you no longer need to use the arrows. Yeah. So we've kind of gone back to Master Rule 3. We kind of have gone back to Master Rule 3, but notice how they didn't take the limitation off pendulums. And they didn't remove the EMZ. Exactly. So it means that a pendulum-based deck still have to use Link Arrows, um, but, you know, potentially yeah. a deck that, in a previous format, really loved being able to put out a lot of big Synchro Monsters or mm. wanted to Fusion Summon multiple times in a turn um, that were previously... Uh, relegated to only this one area mm. uh, and now have free reign. Yeah. Well, and it's it... like they put a band-aid on a sinking ship and it worked. Yeah. It's like Link Monsters were a bit of a mistake in that they killed a lot of old decks. But the fact that we got here where they are now effectively, even though thematically it makes no sense, yeah. just limiting pendulums and Link's of course, still need to summon to Link Arrows. So a lot of people see that as like, that's how it always should have been. Yeah. That Link's use Link mechanics. Everything else uses their own mechanics. But I think at the time, if they just announced a new summoning mechanic that had its own advantages, people would have been furious. Because it was already too much. It was a lot. And the, like we said multiple times, is the pendulum was truly the biggest problem. Hmm. Just, it was free. So it's nice to see that now it's yeah. no longer as free, but also gives life back to these decks that love to fusion, synchro, and exceed spam. And it's cool because when I first played Yu-Gi-Oh competitively and by competitively I mean half of my deck was fake yeah I went to Armageddon which is our like you know Comic-Con equivalent and got told by the people there that I couldn't play Yu-Gi-Oh because my cards were fake and I had to go buy a booster pack and then build a deck out of that I used to play Elemental Heroes that yep. was the deck that I liked I liked GX a lot I watched all of it as a mm -hmm. kid and I wanted to play Elemental Heroes and part of the cool thing about legacy support and the fact that there is no recurring format, everything stays legal, and this new format revision is that I'm still playing Heroes. Yeah, and, and I think that's can. awesome. And I think that if you look at the history of a single deck like Hero, which could be another video, honestly, podcast, yeah. whatever. Another podcast, yeah. It evolves to meet the needs of the times. Yeah. It never really did anything in Synchro, but Xyz, you start to see it used as a, a rank four engine. You know, Pendulum era, it kind of dwindles a bit, and then you see it in the Link era. What? You had... You had totally heroes true true was but, i mean they were just a minor engine that was engine in the, again in the paleozoic kind of frog thing yeah so that was like your master rule three and, and then, then master, master rule four, four like we start to see them get link monsters and we start to see them kind of emerge as like a new format deck and i just think it's so cool yeah i, <laughs> I think it's so awesome i really think it's cool and it's that's also i think as a side note a sign of a really good deck and mechanic is that it starts really late in the past, um, currently what I play is Invoked Shadows, mm. and Shadows came out in 2014. Mm. We're now in 2020, and that deck is, I would say, one of the highest tiers in, in today's format. Mm. So it's unexpected. Yeah. I mean, Thunder Dragon, a card from God knows when, it's in forbidden memories, for God's Legitimately, to th like, would it be nine, like, the yeah, first Yeah, received a couple of new fusion monsters and defined a format. Yeah. So it's, it's so cool. It's really cool to see that these uh, ways that the that the game has evolved. And it's really warming to see as well. Mm. I think it's a really comfortable place to uh, play the game. Um, there's no real heavy buy-in 
which I think no. is really yeah. important as well. Um, because obviously, like, uh, if maybe if you started six months ago, you would have a heavy buy-in to the game. Like, if you wanted to start playing competitively... Yeah, Firewall was, like, $100. Yeah. Oh, or just even regardless of the fact, like, even in, when we started playing, like, we saw a lot of these cards become very expensive very quickly. Mm, so mm. right now, because it's a very free format, you know, albeit what's going on in the world, um, you have a lot of freedom. Yeah, and there's kind a lot of ways what, to get in. What deck you want to play, what you want to build, what you can research. There are so many amazing resources available for anyone that's interested. Yeah. Um, YGO Top Decks, uh, YG, YGO Pro Deck, YGO Percy. There are so many amazing ways that someone could go, hey, I've heard about this game. Mm. I'm interested. Let me have a look. And I think with the Master Rule Revision, you're in the best space of like, it's a a blank slate for people who played it back in 2001. They mm -hmm. have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. But it treats things equally. Yeah. If they just want to learn how to exceed someone, they can just learn how to do that. They yeah. don't need to learn links anymore, which I think was a little bit constrictive. If people didn't like the idea of links, they didn't like the idea of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Now, in this new format, they don't have to. They no. can just play Elemental Heroes like they used to. And I think that's really, that's just great. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, I think the most yeah. inviting it's been as well to someone from the outside. Whew. What an episode. Um, yeah, that's a lot of history. Talked about so much. Um, I guess we can finish on what's your deck for the new format? Hero. Heroes? Yeah. Uh, I've been toying with, uh, well, I definitely still loving Invoke Shadol, uh, toying with new Pendulum, but I'm very excited to see the new Secret Slayers archetype and yeah, what that actually, does. I, I think, think at Emancipators and Eldlich are going to be yeah. very fun. Intended shade towards Rika right yeah. there. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. That's right. They get enough money on their OnlyFans. They do. They do indeed. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. Um, it's been a very informative episode. I would hope if you have any more questions, let us know. We've got our Twitter, which is at thefacedowns. Yeah, or thefacedowns at gmail.com. Or email us, thefacedowns at gmail.com. That's thefacedowns at gmail.com. Ding. Um, follow us on Twitter. You've got the thefacedowns on Twitter. Yeah. Me, I'm Ruben TFD. I'm Lucas TFD. TFD. Uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The, the Face, Face Downs. Downs.